football fans. It's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Well, we have reached the weekend, the pinnacle of college basketball, the Final Four, and we are here, oh, always in the mode of the underdog to talk about these two remaining games for this weekend and the two possible underdogs in the college hoop season. I am your somewhat lucid and capable host, T.J. Reeves, and I have enlisted help of special guests, including later on in the show, you'll hear from our analyst, Mark Wise, who does a great job on all the tune-in coverage of March Madness. I want to talk to him about underdogs as a theme in this NCAA tournament. Also, Wayne Curtis of Smack Apparel, smackapparel.com, the the great in-your-face college-themed shirts. He'll be here to talk some underdogs for these games this weekend and all-time tournament teams. And our first guest... Uh, who is always with us, always batting leadoff uh, for us. Oh, mixed metaphor. I'm talking baseball now. In the college baseball or the uh, college basketball weekend, I'm talking baseball. Well, hey, Major League Baseball is starting up, too, uh, for this weekend. It is Three Dog Thursday, and we can't do this without Kevin Rogers, senior handicapper and writer for VegasInsider.com. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a little emotional, a little conflicted. This is going to be our last time together for the college basketball season uh, for Three Dog Thursday, don't get don't get teary eyed on me here with the, with the games coming to a close this weekend in Houston. Yeah, I'm so used to us doing this segment every single week. I mean, back since uh, September when we first started this venture, and now it's coming to a close. But the good news is, is that the summer will go fast with baseball, and we'll be back at football before you know it. Oh, that's I love that. I love the positive about you. And just remember, it's not you; it's me that's saying goodbye here in this instance of the break off on Three Dog. Thursday. Okay, so uh, we had some fun uh, last week looking at the different underdogs, and we're now obviously down to the final two teams uh, here coming into play. And I I wonder, um, you know, again, there are only two games here with Oklahoma as the underdog against Villanova in the early game in Houston at NRG Stadium. And then Syracuse is a decided underdog against North Carolina. Let's start with the first game first. Both of these teams beat a number one seed in Oklahoma and Villanova to get in here. Size this game up, and are are you going to go Sooners as an underdog play this weekend, Kevin? I'm not going to take this game, but just looking at it, Oklahoma beat Villanova earlier this year in Hawaii, part of the Pearl Harbor Classic, I believe it was called. And uh, that was the first loss, I think, that Villanova suffered this year. They also lost to Virginia in December in non-conference play that the Oklahoma pretty much handed them uh, in that game. And you look back at this tournament and what Villanova has done, that beating two pretty impressive opponents the last two games, beating Miami, shooting lights out, and then limiting a very good Kansas team uh, to not a lot of points. It's a great job by Jay Wright. It really is. And uh, you look at this Oklahoma team, obviously they're, they're uh, lifted by Buddy Heald, who you don't really see seniors anymore. In college basketball, they're doing what he does. Normally, it's freshmen and sophomores. But uh, Oklahoma had an impressive effort against Oregon over the weekend to reach this round. And also, they beat uh, Texas A&M, who won the SEC regular season championship. So, I mean, look, Oklahoma beat some pretty good competition. They also beat BCU along the way. And uh, I I do like this game as a toss-up. And I just wonder if Villanova, the second time around, if they can figure out what went wrong the first time around against Oklahoma. Now, granted, you don't see this this often, but in the tournament, a team played each other the second time, both at a neutral site that they're unfamiliar with. So you don't see it that often, so I wonder how much of a factor that will be coming up on Saturday. Well, and Buddy Heald is obviously the biggest key. Now, he's not the only guy that can score for Oklahoma, but when he is shooting like he did last Saturday in Anaheim at the West Regional Final, I mean, they're going to ride him uh, like the the Sooner Schooner with the ponies out in front. They're going to ride him as far as he can ride it. I mean, he is the key. If he is on and hitting those threes, especially early on in the game, Oklahoma's got a fantastic chance. If he's not because of Villanova's defense or his shots are off, I don't think it's a nuclear secret, but that that is the biggest key to this game, is it not? Well, one thing I was reading, which is very key, I think a lot of people forget, 
is playing in this big stadium in Houston that you go back the final four a few years ago with UConn and Butler. And then last year, the regionals were in Houston. The shooting percentages were terrible that you go back that championship. Butler shot 17 percent. Oh, yeah. UConn shot 30 something percent. It is a big deal. You're not playing. You know, it's one thing to say you're playing at a neutral site, you know, in these tournament games. It's another thing to say you're playing at a football stadium that you don't have the same backdrop. There's, if you ever play basketball and you play indoors and you play outdoors, you can feel the difference in the shot. Now, granted, this game is indoors, but it feels like it's outdoors because it's just so wide open. You're playing on an elevated court. That those are some things that people got to take. Uh, take in mind here going uh, to handicap these dangers, watch them in general, that don't expect shootouts. Don't expect these two games to be 85-80 games, run-and-gun games, because these teams are getting used to the court there and just getting used to shooting with nothing behind the basket. That It's going to be it's going to be a big difference than what we saw in the last few rounds. That Buddy Heald, I don't think, will be lighting it up, or anybody for that matter, just because you have a different setup here in the Final Four, which, frankly... I'm not a huge fan of it. It's not just specifically about Houston. It's just in general. Why can't you find another 20,000-seat arena to play the Final Four? And why is it playing these football stadiums? It's just so so totally (laughs) different. I mean, you know what it is, TJ? It's almost like you're flipping around. I know this is stupid what I'm going to say. But it's kind of like the NFL is playing their Super Bowl in a high school stadium. We're just going to change everything around and, and just make everything totally different right? just because we're going to make it different. Like, I, well, I understand you know more people you in there. You know the truth. There it is. The truth I know, is they I want know, more but, people but, there. Yeah. Are you going to have 60,000 people there at those games coming up uh, on Saturday? Are you? Yeah. Really? Yeah, they are. They're going to have 60,000. Really? They've sold the tickets. Not many of them in the third level can see a whole lot, but that's that's the big thing about it. And look, I get the whole depth perception thing, but it varies from year to year. And by the way, this is about the the uh, the 10th or 12th year in a row uh, that they have done this in football stadiums uh, exclusively now. And so uh, for every team, it's the same. They'll get in there on Friday and do that. But I understand the point about shooting percentage. Something just says to me, Buddy Heald is not going to be affected by depth perception. He may be uh, affected more by the -the in-the-face defense of Villanova in this matchup. And let's see how Ryan Archidiacono shoots, how Jenkins and Hart shoot in this building. Um, Isaiah Cousins, how does he shoot for Oklahoma? Let's see to your theory. All right, Kevin Rogers, senior handicapper, VegasInsider.com, is with me on Three Dog Thursday. Let's move on to the nightcap. I guess the first thing is, how has Syracuse done what it has done when uh, three weeks ago there, there were questions as to whether they would even be in the tournament? Now they're back in the Final Four as a 10 seed. Give me a quick thought on Syracuse, please. Well, with Syracuse, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, if they would get in or not, and how much would the tournament committee look at their resume with Jim Beheim out for those nine games? And obviously they must have took that under consideration. And we know... Syracuse by by any stretch is not a uh, is not an, is not a Cinderella. We know that they're just a team that was seated low from a major conference. They played great competition all season long. So you know you can't really say, oh, Syracuse this is unbelievable. They had an unbelievable comeback against Virginia. Yes, that is true. But Syracuse by no stretch, if they win the next two games, is it a huge major shocker? This isn't Middle Tennessee State winning the championship. So you know with Syracuse. I would look at them as, as a potential play on Saturday. Why not at this point? North Carolina's been great. They've covered every game except for the Florida Gulf Coast game in the opening round of the tournament. But Syracuse has lost to them twice, and I think that Jim Beheim will concoct something to at least keep this game somewhat manageable. All right, so it is a large line here. I don't know how much you've delved into uh, the last time a semifinal game had a 10-point margin. It probably has happened uh, some with the likes of some of the underdogs that we're going to talk about more here in a couple of minutes. VCU, George Mason, Butler, Wichita State getting into this game. But it's not common that in the NCAA's Final Four that one of the teams would be a double-figure underdog, but likely Syracuse is going to remain there. They are there now as we're talking this week. They're going to remain somewhere around a 10 or a 10.5-point underdog. And I think I think that's more respect for how many points North Carolina can score and the firepower they have, right, Kevin? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at what they've done and uh, lighting up Indiana in the Sweet 16 and then they pulled away from Notre Dame in the Elite Eight, and North Carolina's put up uh, good numbers. Their three-point shooting percentage wasn't great this year. That's obviously going to affect them playing Saturday in Houston because they will be hoisting up a lot of threes, I'm sure. But, uh, look, North Carolina's number one seed, the only number one seed remaining left in this tournament, and 
they should be laying what they're laying. I mean, the perception is when you look at Syracuse, they're a 10 seed and they had to come back to beat Virginia. Do they have enough now in the next round to beat uh, to beat North Carolina? North Carolina's beat them twice, so I think there's a pretty fair line. All right, so there's uh, Kevin's take on the two games themselves. Let's now have fun and have a good uh, discussion on underdogs. This will be a theme throughout the show when we get Wayne Curtis on, and again, Mark Wise will be with me a little bit later on to give me their theme. So under the three-dog Thursday heading, give me your all-time three underdogs in the history of the NCAA tournament. You and I are contemporaries, so we're really going back the last, let's say, 40 years or so of the tournament. Where, where you want to go first with a with a tournament underdog that stands out, an underdog that made the Final Four. That'll be the qualification, if not the championship game, if not won the whole thing. Give me an underdog. All right, my first one is going to be VCU, which shock is smart, and I'll tell you why. They were the only team to go into the first four and then end up getting to the Final Four. And if, it, if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to like throw his name in the mud, but I think it was Jay Billis that said that they didn't belong in the tournament when they first released the I believe bracket. that's correct, yes. And then VCU ended up going. They, I know they beat Florida State along the way, and they had some nice victories. Uh, I mean, I look at VCU, obviously, as after some other schools set the standard for the mid-major, but for them to start off and to play an extra game in the tournament and to have all that travel, that VCU, for me, is number three, at least on the list of, most impressive underdogs take the final four. Oh yeah, and of course they beat Kansas as the one seed in that regional final uh, just to get into the final four back in 2011 with Shaka Smart. Okay, give me, I like that one, give me another uh, all-time underdog in terms of your list for the NCAA tournament in the final four for Three Dog Thursday. What else, Kevin? My number two, and this is actually credited after watching the 30 for 30, is the 1983 Jim Valvano NC State Wolfpack team, simply because uh, I was very young when that happened. So after watching the 30 for 30 and seeing that they needed to win every single game in the ACC tournament just to get into the NCAA tournament and to win a lot of close games there, they basically, I think, were one and were playing like single elimination games like nine straight games right. and for them to do that and to win all these games they had one game where they came back in the first or second round down late guy from i forgot who they were playing pepperdine or whoever it was was a 90 percent free throw shooter missed two free throws and nc state ended up taking the lead and they won and obviously the houston game with with elijah one and clyde drexler that just what they did to they beat michael jordan the tar heels early just to keep winning and surviving and to extend it the way that they did uh, definitely was very impressive. And the, the documentary is called Survive and Advance around the Jim Valvano story and around that 1983 championship team and what a famous ending uh, to that game. With the Okay, I'll give you the quick opinion. Derek Wittenberg shot or Derek Wittenberg passed? Because they've always joked about that. You weigh in on it. Was it a, a pass to the late Lorenzo Charles, or was it a failed shot that he grabbed in midair and dunked for the national title? Oh, God, that's a shot. That's <laughs> got to be a shot. You cannot tell me that you planned that. Give exactly. me a break. That's a sh- I mean, it worked out well, but yep. that's a shot. Sometimes those moments happen in these kind of situations. Okay, so if those are your two top tourney underdogs, give me one more. Uh, here for Three Dog Thursday, all-time tourney underdogs. What would you say? Number one has got to be the first mid-major that we saw make it to the Final Four, and that's George Mason uh, in 2006 with Jim Laranaga. I think that you know a team like that that beat Michigan State and beat North Carolina and beat an excellent Connecticut team that was supposed to win the championship that year, a loaded Connecticut team, beat them in overtime, and then eventually lost to Florida, who won the national championship that year. They just kind of ran out of gas at that point. But they set the standard for the non-ACC, the non-Big Ten, the non-Pac-12, the non-Big uh, uh, 12 team to get into the NCAA tournament and go very far. I mean, we've seen teams, when you first told me it had to be a Final Four team, I was going to say Florida Gulf Coast. It's a team that just came out of nowhere and won a few games. But as far as a team that went to the Final Four, George Mason, I think, laid the foundation for mid-major teams to go that far. The only reason I never said Butler is because Butler was a five-seed and an eight-seed the two years that they ended up uh, going to the national championship. So they really weren't an underdog per se. I think we kind of knew them the second year around. And obviously, look, they're head coach in the NBA right now. So 
you know, they obviously had talent. Gordon Hayward was a lottery pick. I mean, they, they had talent on those teams. And not to say George Mason didn't have talent, right. but a lot of those guys, you never heard from again. And the reason why, TJ, George Mason surprised everyone is because they never got on TV. Nobody knew who they were, but they were a really good team. And now we're seeing more of these conferences, these mid-major conferences, getting on television, so you're knowing who they are now a little bit more than we than it used to be when it was like Duke was the only team on TV. That now everyone is kind of getting on TV like college football and now it's acceptable for these mid-majors, you know, in, in this society to say, okay, they have chances to win the national championship too. That is the voice of Kevin Rogers, Vegas Insider. He's with me on Three Dog Thursday. I'm TJ Reeves. Just another couple of moments on this subject. And, of course, George Mason beating those story programs with Jim Laranega. I mean, you might coach your whole career and, and beat one out of Michigan State, North Carolina, and UConn. Like you said, he beat three of them in about a seven- or eight-day period uh, to get his team into the Final Four. And he's obviously uh, continued on with success now with the Miami Hurricanes as well in the NCAA tournament. But that was quite the right. So you're going to leave out Villanova 85. Villanova back in this Final Four 2016. You're going to leave them completely off your list uh, that amazing uh, night where they defeated seemingly the invincible Georgetown Hoyas playing almost a perfect game, shooting over 70% from the floor. I think in the second half of the game, they shot over 80% in the game. You're going to leave that one alone. That's just an honorable mention for your all-time underdogs? Yeah. Yeah, I I, I mean, exactly. I was going to leave that to you to, uh, to put in there. I mean, uh, it was a great showing by Villanova to beat that Georgetown team, you know, with Patrick Ewing, and it, it was a loaded team. And we yep. know Georgetown had several failed efforts in the mid '80s uh, to win championships, but uh, somebody had to be left out, and uh, Villanova was the team. Pretty, to be left pretty out. incredible that Georgetown, with Patrick Ewing and all those talented teams, only won the one title, and that was the year. Uh, in 84, prior to the 85 upset where they were the number one team in the country. So also played in the title game that Michael Jordan beat them in with the last second shot in 1982 when Ewing was the freshman. So, yeah, we love underdogs this time of year. I like what you said. I I call Syracuse more of the upstart uh, than I I would the, uh, the underdog for this year because they're a powerhouse program that had a bit of a down year. Bayheim suspended during the season, so we'll see how it uh, how it plays out for Syracuse coming up on Saturday. All right, we're coming to the end of your final segment. We've been doing this all the way back since September for the football season, and now morphing into the college basketball season. Uh, Kevin Rogers, tell me one more time about all the great info for this weekend, for the Final Four, for the start of baseball, for everything with VegasInsider.com. Yeah, we got a lot going on. Obviously, the Final Four is just a few games remaining, and uh, NBA playoffs coming up in April, as well as the NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball starting up this weekend. So, so many things going on. It's a circle of life, circle of sports life. One door closes, college basketball, baseball opens up. So, we got a lot going on. You can check out our Twitter at SwiftBI, and also just uh, we, we keep it churning every single day. You can check out live odds, all of our articles from our experts, and uh, Keep it rolling. The best part about sports, it never stops. So you can check out all of our information at VegasInsider.com. And I know you're a big golf guy like I am. We've got the Masters coming. You've got the Players' Championship. You've got U.S. Open this summer in addition to the baseball. I mean, just because the hoops door in college is closing, and as you mentioned, the NBA playoffs seem to go on uh, forever, the second season as it's known, they they are going to get plenty of information at VegasInsider.com, and we encourage the fans uh, once again to follow you as well on Twitter, at uh, VI Rogers, throughout all of this. So we encourage uh, fans everywhere to uh, follow you along. Listen, you've done, a, you've done a great job. You've made yourself available and done a great job giving us insight on Three Dog Thursday all through the football and basketball season. A well-deserved spring and summer off. But promise me that we get to come back and talk with you coming this fall when the football season will be here. We'll crank it back up on Three Dog Thursday, and I'd love to have you back if you're able to be back, all right? As long as they have me here at VegasInsider.com, I'm back with you, my friend. I'm, uh, I am not going to shy away. I really enjoyed it. And uh, the one lesson I'll give to you is, is don't, uh, don't ever deny me when I say Arizona State's going to cover against UCLA because <laughs> I nailed that one back in the fall. It was a football game, yes. You were all over that. I gave you all kinds of grief, and you turned out to be right. You did, you yeah. did hone in on yeah, that one. outright. Yes. Uh, listen, great work all year long. Thank you for being with us, Kevin Rogers, all throughout the football and college basketball season on Three Dog Thursday. Enjoy the Final Four, and we'll be reading you, and we'll obviously be checking you out on Twitter and elsewhere. Thank you, sir. 
Thank you, TJ. I appreciate it. There is Kevin Rogers. We'll pause. We'll come back. Wayne Curtis will be here. SmackApparel.com to talk about the games this weekend and his all-time tournament underdogs when this special edition of Three Dog Thursday continues. Stay with us. Hey, College Hoop fans, the Final Four is here. And for the very best in -in in-your-face college-themed shirts, it's Smack Apparel and SmackApparel.com. North Carolina enters the weekend looking for a seventh national title, and SmackApparel.com has their March to 7 Carolina Blue shirts ready to go. And use the promo code TUNEIN and take 30% off your order. Remember that promo code TUNEIN. And Amazon Prime subscribers get their order shipped for free. Villanova fans, Smack Apparel has a brand new Party Like It's 1985 shirt as the Big East champs look to recapture the Roly Massimino magic from that year. Plus, Syracuse and Sooner fans, you can always hate on your rivals with SmackApparel.com shirts selection. Again, this weekend is the greatest in all of sports as four fan bases converge on Houston to decide the championship. And for Carolina Nova Cues and Sooner fans, there's one name to remember to talk the talk with your school's themed shirts. It's Smack Apparel and SmackApparel.com. And once again, remember the promo code TUNEIN to save 30% off your order through the weekend. Talk in the talk with SmackApparel.com. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. It's on his right to Richardson inside the hot hand. Richardson fires up a long three. Good! Malachi Richardson all of a sudden can't miss. He's got 21, and Syracuse leads by four. Oh, we do continue on, and uh, what will happen? Are the the biggest underdog, a double-digit underdog, probably that you could have, even though they are a name school in Syracuse. That from the Westwood One calls of their great weekend last week, and then they knock off the wonder number one seed of Virginia. Now they have another one seed, another ACC team in North Carolina. We'll see how they do in that game. And let's call in a man who is chomping at the bit to not only talk about these two games, but talk about some of the uh, all-time underdogs in the NCAA tournament. And we'll get around to plugging some of the great shirts they have, Final Four college-themed shirts from SmackApparel.com. He is Wayne Curtis, the founder and owner, back with me on Three Dog Thursday. Here we go. We're getting ready for the Final Four. We're excited. It is very exciting, very exciting. The uh, countdown is on, and, uh, you know, I'm not a huge regular season college basketball fan, but the tournament and then the culmination is uh, is as exciting as anything there is in any sport. So a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Especially when we get to Houston and those four fan bases are there for Friday and Saturday converging. And we, we suspect half, if not most, of the state of Oklahoma, Wayne, will empty out and come seven, eight hours south to Houston, Texas. Uh, it should be uh, quite a scene of crimson and white for, for Oklahoma Sooner fans. But look, Syracuse travels well. North Carolina obviously travels well. Villanova has a previous national title, and, and a lot of Philadelphia will be coming. So it's just it's a neat scene, is the, is the point that I'm making, to see all those fan bases come together Final Four weekend. Uh, it is, it is, it is. I mean, you know, for Oklahoma fans, I think it's, they probably half of them didn't know they had a basketball team. So, <laughs> <laughs> and if it, and if uh, so, was Billy Tubbs still the coach uh, for a lot of them? And how and how wild Sooner football in the college Final Four for football, and now Sooner basketball uh, in the men's Final Four for the NCAA tournament. Uh, not bad. Not bad if you're a Sooner fan. So let me ask you this. Syracuse, obviously, is the double-digit dog. I really like Oklahoma's chances against Villanova. They are technically the underdog right now when we're talking on Three Dog Thursdays, a two-point underdog. Do you give one or both of these teams a good chance, Oklahoma or Syracuse or both, to win the games Saturday? I mean, I think Oklahoma could definitely win, um, as you know, with our party in like its 1985 shirt for Villanova fans is blowing up. It's been on national TV, retweeted, blah, blah, blah. But just looking at the game, I mean, Oklahoma's very, very good. Buddy Heal is, I mean, he is just fun to watch. Um, I could be wrong, but I tell people, I said, you know, he kind of reminds me of Dwayne Wade. Very smooth, not, mm. you know, not, not a six 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 eight guy. But uh, no, so I like Oklahoma's chances. I'm pulling for Villanova. But I do like Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, if I was a betting man, I wouldn't bet on the game because I, I can't tell you who's going to win that. North Carolina, on the other hand, I think they just got too much. I think, you know, Syracuse has played very well, played, you know, a bunch of A games. 
uh, but they better bring an AAAA plus game. <laughs> last North Carolina just played the C game, which I just don't see how. I mean, you can see it every game. Teams stick around with them, and then they just wear them down, wear them down. They've got too many, just too deep with too much skill and size. So I don't see Syracuse pulling that one off. But hey. That's why they play the game, I guess. And that's what's going to morph into our conversation about top tourney underdogs in a moment uh, here. But you know, for that Syracuse team, they closed both the Gonzaga game and the Virginia game the same way by clamping down on defense. But here's the other big thing. Bayheim's team making shots and multiple guys making three-pointers uh, and bombing them in. I agree with you, though. You just wonder if... North Carolina isn't just going to wear them down physically uh, in this uh, in this situation, and, and no matter how well they've played at about the ten minute mark of the game, the last ten minutes Carolina may race right past them to the finish line. That, that's how I see it. That's, you know, if I was a betting man, I I because I think uh, North Carolina's only laying two, right? Two or three? Uh, they're actually laying double figures in that one. Villanova's laying the two, and oh, and, and, and right. Carolina right. right around ten. You think that's yeah, too I many points? You. you think that's too many? Mm, I think I think Vegas knows what they're doing. I think that's, <laughs> that's about where I would lay the line. Uh, yeah, I remember it was a ten and a two. Um, so many games last week saw blurring all the different odds, but no, I think that's about right. I mean, I, I could see North Carolina ahead with, like you say, eight nine minutes left up by you know two or three, and then all of a sudden, shoot. They make their run and they get up, you know, double digits. And I just think they're they're just too darn good. That but is, I could be wrong. That is exactly what like, they. That's I ex- would, well, sure, that's exactly what they did to Indiana. It's exactly what they did to Notre Dame. So it's the it's the likely scenario here. Um, uh, for this matchup coming with Syracuse on Saturday night. Again, Wayne Curtis is with us from Smack Apparel, smackapparel.com. He's going to talk about the college theme, Final Four shirts they have. He's already made mention of that party like it's 1985 shirt that you may have seen on Villanova's uh, coverage, on the on CBS's coverage of Villanova's win over Kansas or seen it uh, online. We've been retweeting it uh, as well off of Smack Apparel's Twitter handle. Uh, Grant Hill even tweeting about that shirt. We'll talk more about that shirt in a few moments. But one of the charges that I have for all the guests here, one of the the tasks is come up with three all-time tourney underdogs with the the criteria being it has to be a team that at least made the final four if not won the whole thing and we've seen some recent real underdogs wichita state a few years ago uh before the year before they were the number one undefeated team and got in the ncaa tournament that previous year they got all the way to the final four um as a as a missouri valley conference team virginia commonwealth came out of uh the first four made the final four george mason butler makes the championship game a couple of times out of the uh, out of the Horizon League when they were playing in it, so we've seen some modern underdogs make the run. But if I were to say to you, give me three of them that stand out. Give me one right away that stands out, and why? Well, and this isn't the biggest underdog if you look at you know one or two, you know one seed versus a lower seed. North Carolina State, I believe, was a six seed, but I've got to pick them because the team they were going against was so favored, so heavily, and that, of course, was by Slamajama, Clyde Drexler, Akeem Olajuwon. Those guys were, that team was just so stacked with future NBA talent and Hall of Famers that beating them was was truly amazing feat. So I, I put them at one. Then I guess I've got to go Villanova, Raleigh Massimino, 85. Mm. They were playing the, the juggernauts that were the Georgetown Hoyas, supposed to kill them. Obviously, that didn't happen. And, of course, Patrick uh, Ewing playing in his final game. Georgetown's the defending champion. They're ranked number one. And, and amazingly, Villanova played arguably the greatest championship game by anybody. They shot, as we were saying to Kevin uh, before, and we'll say probably throughout this show and throughout this weekend because Villanova's in the Final Four, they shot over 80% in the second half of the game. They missed almost nothing when you talk about playing a perfect game to beat Georgetown that year, Wayne. And that's, yeah, that's what they needed. And again, you know, Patrick Ewing, number one pick, just all that other talent that they had. Um, so yeah, that, that was just, uh, that was an incredible, uh, again, sometimes it's not just where you're seated, but who you're going against and the perception of these guys can't be stopped. I'm not picking this, but you know, when Duke beat UNLV, UNLV was running everybody out of the gym. It wasn't even close the year before they had got run out of the gym by UNLV. 
and the next year everyone thought the same things will happen. And of course, uh, uh, you know, Duke Duke won. Speaking speaking of Grand Hill, speaking of uh, Christian Leitner, yeah. Bobby Hurley, they they pulled that upset. Yeah. Uh, back in, uh, it was now 15 years ago, 1991 in Indianapolis, they pulled that up. But you can't call Coach K and Duke as, an, as no. a true underdog. Now, they were an underdog in that game, but they're not an underdog uh, program. That was just commentary. And actually what's funny is, you know, you're talking big upsets. I mean, at the time when Magic Johnson and the, uh, uh, the Michigan State, yeah. Michigan State, they were a number seven seed now. As we all know, they played the number one seed that wasn't given a lot of love as a number one seed. Most people thought that they would fold, and that was, of course, uh, some sycamores. Who the heck knows who the sycamores the are? Indi- of course, that's Indiana, Indiana State, State right. led by the, the one of the great college players of all time, and one of the great NBA players of all time, Larry Bird, and of course Magic and the fellows uh, uh, Kessler. Uh, forget the guy's first name. The guy he would throw all uh, the Greg, uh, Greg Kelser, yes, famous. Greg, Greg Kel- Kel- yes, yes, and yeah. So that was you know they were a seven seed going against the one seed. So that that's my third biggest upset. Even though when you think of Magic Johnson, how the hell could he be an underdog in anything <laughs> he Especially. ever did? But he was in fact that in fact was the biggest uh, lowest seed and you know in the NCAA tournament ever to win the title at that time. Of course, it was surpassed. Listen to Wayne breaking down the uh, the bird magic. I did not remember, did not know, did not remember that Ma- that Magic and Michigan State were a seven. I would have guessed they were like a three, maybe a two or a three, but they were a you, seven you, seed. With, with Magic Johnson, you couldn't imagine anything. But at the time, they were the. I got a couple of years on you, TJ. That's all I can say. Well, and of course, that obviously spawned the growth of the NCAA championship, the Final Four, and the NBA was reborn when those two guys came in. Uh, that's for sure. So those are excellent uh, memories. And here's hoping that we get a fantastic Final Four out of this weekend and a great championship game. Um, I think, uh, in particular, that Oklahoma-Villanova knockdown dragout game may be more competitive than the North Carolina game. But I think either Sooners or Nova, whoever wins, if they're matched up with Carolina, going to be a great game Monday night. Time will tell. We'll we'll ferret that out. It is Three Dog Thursday. TJ Reeves, i got Wayne Curtis, Smack Apparel, SmackApparel.com. They've been proud sponsors with us on Three Dog Thursday all throughout the football and the basketball season. So as we're wrapping the college basketball season, Wayne, you've got great Final Four-themed shirts. You already mentioned the party like it's 1985 shirt. Elaborate a little more on that. It's commemorating Villanova's championship 31 years ago, and it is it has been a hot item. And you're selling it on SmackApparel.com right now. Oh, it's 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 that shirt's nuts. As you mentioned in the, in the start of the show, I mean they showed it during national TV. A kid was wearing it. They were on a TV timeout. They were they were flashing it. They were talking about it. And then what we've seen is Grant Hill took a picture with another person wearing the shirt and then he tweeted it out so of course the front of the shirt says i want to party like it's 1985 national champs are bust at the bottom and of course jay wright is the coach and in the back it says come on jay let's do this and that shirt is like off the chart uh in selling so a lot of a lot of fun and that's what we do you know it's all about fun it's all about you know not just the surface final four which we don't say we're not licensed but we say what's fun and what's what's you know what's clever and uh, what's creative. So um, obviously do a lot of stuff with North Carolina. Sure. It's really just the, the normal fun stuff that, you know. It's the March you know, to 7, right, for Carolina, the March to 7. The March, the March to 7. In Carolina Blue. Way. Let's do this. Yep, March, let's March to 7. It's got the brackets in it. We've also got one for Carolina fans. It's got all six titles. And the guy says, they only hate us because they ain't. And, of course, in the, uh, <laughs> in the ACC, on Tobacco Road, they, they are not like if you're not wearing Carolina blue because they are the king of the national title in the ACC, even a couple more than, than Duke. Um, so we've got that. Uh, not too much for Oklahoma. Gosh, they're a football school. We've got a lot of neat shirts making fun of Texas and Oklahoma State, but nothing that pertains to the tournament. And then uh, uh, just some neat Syracuse stuff. Syracuse and drinking cow, the basketball problem. But we do have one where the guy says, I don't often hate, but when I do, I prefer to hate Carolina. And Duke <laughs> got that role, and of course that's out in Houston. All these shirts out in Houston with some of our vendors out that's there right. too. But uh, but yeah, if they get if they order today or Thursday, we're shipping it out same business day, 
so a lot of these folks can get their shirts by you know by the weekend or by Monday. I know and and we we keep mentioning this on Three Dog Thursday. You're giving the audience an opportunity to save thirty percent on their order if they just punch in the promo code Tune In. So use Tune In for an extra thirty percent. And if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, you also are going to get that shirt shipped for free. Correct, Wayne Curtis. There's all kinds of reasons here. Correct. Yes. Correct. So whether you find the shirt online, you find it on smackapparel.com, Villanova, Oklahoma, Syracuse, or North Carolina, buy them up, use that promo code. And again, you'll have the shirts for our fans that are listening that are coming to Houston that are hearing this program. You will have them in and around. Look for the Smack Apparel logo, whether it's the Party Like It's 1985 or the March to 7 in Carolina Blue or any of these other shirts. Check them out in and around Houston and in and around uh, Final Four downtown uh, in the space city of Houston, Texas. It's going to be going to be a lot of fun. Hey, we have had a ton of fun with you in the football season and also the college basketball now for the month of March. Wayne Curtis talking about all of this. And now it's all about to be decided for college hoops. So we're going to take a little hiatus on Three Dog Thursday and not come back until the fall and football. It'll be football before we know it. Uh, this fall, but I just want to publicly say thank you uh, for being a sponsor on this show and uh, and constantly coming on with the underdog picks uh, throughout the football and basketball season, and we look forward to being back with you come football season uh, this fall starting up in September, sir. Well, sounds awesome. It's been a blast. And again, uh, check them out, smackapparel.com. Use that promo code, tune in, and save 30%. Wayne, thank you. Enjoy the Final Four. Good luck with all the shirts and with all the fun, sir. Thank you, sir. There is Wayne Curtis. We will continue on Three Dog Thursday. Our analyst, Mark Wise, coming up. He'll have some ideas about top underdogs as well. Stay with us. Are you getting overwhelmed with tracking social media? All the mentions, likes, hearts, emojis, and who likes hamburgers and tacos? Is your CMO and digital director on your back about audience insights and what's trending? If so, you need to take the guessing game out of social media and email Quentin now. Email Quentin at Q at Zoomph.com. That's the letter Q at Z-O-O-M-P-H dot com. Quentin is familiar with your problems. He spent years playing collegiate sports and professional football. He knows what drives fan experience on and off the field. So you don't need a billion-dollar software company to get your data and give you reports you can't even make sense from. Zoom works with hundreds of universities and professional sports teams to drive up engagement and sponsorship revenue. So take the guessing game out of social engagement and see why the digital teams at Duke, Virginia Tech, Clemson, Boston College, and the ACC all leverage Zoom for your complete social media analytics and brilliant web and in-venue visualizations. Email Quentin at Q at Zoom.com. That's the letter Q at Z-O-O-M-P-H dot com. We are back in a fun Final Four edition of Three Dog Thursday where we are shaping things around really the top three underdogs all time, at least in the modern NCAA tournament since the field expanded to 64 and now to 68 teams back in the early to mid-1980s. Uh, I, I want to try to get as much insight on underdogs as I can. I'm going to call in a guy that I enjoy talking to. He's going to be with me all weekend in Houston on TuneIn and our College Sports Now channel and our live coverage from the Final Four in Houston. He is Mark Wise, back with me, former Purdue and South Florida assistant, longtime broadcaster. So we're cranking up to be in Houston and talk Final Four uh, on the weekend. But I want to whet everybody's appetite with talking underdogs early on in the week. So if I was to say to you, we're going to start ranking them. Give me the first underdog that comes to mind uh, for the ultimate NCAA tournament underdog. Which one jumps out first of all and why? Well, TJ, any discussion about underdogs, I think, has to start with Texas Western. Uh, I get it. You want me to go in the the modern era (laughs) of the 68 teams. But what people forget about Texas Western it was an odd number of teams. They were the they were in the extra game in the Midwest region in 1966 and had to beat Oklahoma City. And then they beat Cincinnati by two and Kansas by one just to get to the Final Four that year in College Park, Maryland. Everybody remembers that they started five African-American starters um, in, in that game against Kentucky. I would give you a lot of money if you could even tell me who the other two teams were that year in the Final Four. I can't even do it. So you're right. You you would have me stumped on that one. 
Kentucky beat Duke, and Texas Western beat Utah. All right, and that's enough of a history lesson because but that that's, was such a but, but that's a great one, and I know CBS is going to replay that game a couple of times this weekend on their sports network and, and on big CBS. The historical significance, the upset. So, yeah, I mean, if you're talking ultimate underdogs, and, of course, they made the movie about 10 years ago, Glory Road, uh, with Josh Lucas playing the character Don Haskins and all the, all the uh, surrounding true story, I'm with you. I'm with you that that's an upset. Yeah, Loyola of Chicago and Texas Western, I think, are the two programs that probably um, changed the culture of college basketball and changed it for the better. Okay, so if that's your ultimate one, give me a couple no, of more. No, no, no. But just, you're just going. I'm just leading up all right, to it. All right, that's an appetizer. You're going old school. Give me another one that comes to mind moving forward from 1966 and why. Well, I think you have to go VCU and their run to the Final Four. I, I'm going to put them ahead of George Mason uh, simply because they had to. They came out of the first four. I don't even. What did we call it back then? It the was called the first four. four. Yeah, four, it was the called the. Round, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it was called. Anyway, to do that, I think was you know nobody thought that was possible. Nobody thought that you could go from Dayton to the Final Four. So what that team was able to do, I, I think it has to rank. I, I would put that as number three on my list. Well, and in, in terms of the wins, they beat Story Georgetown in the first game. They beat Purdue, which is obviously a famed program, uh, in their second round game. The Sweet 16 game was an overtime win over Florida State. And then the regional final win was top seed Kansas, knocking them off. Uh, keeping Bill Self and company out of the Final Four uh, in the regional final win. I, I mean, everybody, uh, as, as the games went on and those two weekends went on, fell in, in love more and more with Virginia. I'm with you. They won an extra game. They won a first four game. All right, TJ, my next one, my number two on the upsets, and I think this is going to be or the huge underdogs, and I think this is going to surprise some people. But I'm going to put Villanova as number two in that 1985 national championship game. And I get it. They had to play the perfect game. They shot 79% from, from the field for the game. But you have to remember this. Villanova had already seen Georgetown a couple of times in the during the year. So it wasn't like it was a big surprise. And even though Villanova had lost to Georgetown twice, the total number of points was just nine in their two Big East regular season matchups. So from that standpoint, yes, they were a tremendous underdog. Yes, Patrick Ewing was beating everybody up. Georgetown had thumped St. John's in the semifinal two days earlier, and, and most fans thought that this was a, a done deal. But um, it was a shocking game, but it's not at the top of my list. Okay, a couple things. Thank you very kindly for not mentioning on your own that Villanova beat my Memphis State Tigers and crushed me <laughs> as a teenager when Keith Lee and Andre Turner and the famed uh, Memphis players that were part of that uh, team and that run were beaten by Villanova in the semifinal game. And then you get to that championship game, and you forgot to add one more part of this, Kentucky native, former coach Mark Wise, you were in the building in Rupp Arena, correct? Absolutely. Um, you know, that was back when I was a young assistant coach at USF back then. And, of course, uh, in case anybody doesn't know, the coaches' convention goes on at the Final Four, so you're always there. Uh, I was there, and I failed. And, and in full disclosure, I, I guess I should have mentioned this earlier when we were talking about Texas Western. Uh, you know, I was a young boy at that time and bled – uh, big blue. So when Texas Western beat Kentucky, oh yeah, Wiseman had tears. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And Georgetown had tears that night. And Villanova fans, of course, they're back in the Final Four now, 31 years later. They had tears that night after. I mean, that is arguably the perfect game in terms of them shooting the ball, the way they executed. It was just a magical night to be in that building, right? Yeah, I think if you lined up Villanova and Georgetown on a neutral court, um, you know, in a in a seven-game series, I think Georgetown wins 4-0. And I get it. The Villanova had played them close twice during the regular season. But there was nobody 
nobody in Rupp Arena who gave Villanova much of a chance. But yet, that was the upset. So again, we're talking underdogs here as part of Three Dog Thursday and top NCAA tournament underdogs. I'm giving all of our guests the charge of coming up with three of them. So Mark has gone uh, Texas Western. He's gone uh, as a 3A. He's gone Virginia Commonwealth VCU's 2011 Final Four run. You've now gone Villanova. Are you going where I think you're going with the all-time doggy? Oh, no question. No question. We're going to go to the 1983 title game in Albuquerque. Yes, I'm dating myself. Yes, this is another game. I was in the pit that night when Jim Valvano and NC State kind of shocked the basketball world running around looking for somebody to hug. Heck, everybody in the building wanted to hug him after that. But forget the tournament. Forget the Final Four in Albuquerque. Forget that they're playing Houston, who had won that dunkathon uh, two days earlier in their semifinal win. You have to go back and remember that NC State had to win the ACC tournament just to get in the dance. They did that, and then they had to survive in the first round an overtime game with Pepperdine, coached by Jim Herrick at the time. Yep. And then, they, of course, they, they, got, they got on a magical run, and they benefited a little bit from uh, getting a, a Georgia team in, in the semifinals while Houston and Louisville duked it out on the other end. I got to tell you, TJ, back in the day in 1983 in Albuquerque, scalping tickets was legal and i'm telling you there was more money exchanged hands (laughs) on saturday for the semifinal because everybody wanted to see this wonderful matchup and it didn't include nc state and georgia they were the undercard if you will on monday night at the finals you couldn't give away two tickets nobody nobody gave uh nc state any kind of chance to win that game. No shot clock. They controlled tempo. They held the ball forever for that last uh, desperation heave that Wittenberg to this day swears it was an assist. Lorenzo Charles, of course, leapt up, and I'm kidding about this. Oh, yeah. But, uh, Lorenzo Charles uh, leapt up, grabbed it, slammed it home, and as a result, uh, at the buzzer for that historic win. Uh, that is one of the iconic moments, obviously, in the history of college basketball. You were in the arena. I, I remember being a, a young teenager watching on TV. There are tons of people listening to us that reminisce where they were watching that. When Wittenberg let that ball go, I know it's been a while, but do you remember? Are you thinking, oh, my goodness, that could go in? I mean, remember, it's a two-point shot, not a three-point shot. Right. The right. game was tied, by the way, in that moment, so it would have been overtime had it not worked out. But what were you thinking live in the building in the pit in the Albuquerque uh, arena there for that championship moment? Well, it was a little bit of a loose ball situation. The ball actually went back toward midcourt. So if you'll remember, uh, that that shot by Wittenberg was from 35 feet. Easily. I mean, it wasn't really a close shot. It wasn't. So everybody thought, oh, my goodness, here we go. What a horrible shot, last possession. Balls in the air, and no, no one thought it was going to be in or good. It was just too tough of a look, too far of a look. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it was over that quick. And so everybody was stunned. How loud was it when it, when the stun got over and everybody erupted? I mean, that place is bonkers loud. Do you remember it being loud? Louder oh, than, yeah. yeah? Uh, loud because, um, you know, you have your coaches there, but you also have a, a healthy dose of neutral fans in every Final Four. And, of course, everybody gets on the bandwagon of the underdog. No question about that. They did that with VCU along the way. They did it with Villanova in Rupp Arena. And so everybody, you know, 85% of the building is cheering for NC State. Strangers were high-fiving each other. <laughs> Just, mean, you were reaching over three or four rows to high-five people you didn't even know because love you it. knew at the time you had witnessed Something iconic. Love it. Love the historical significance and what Mark Wise is uh, relaying to us uh, here on Three Dog Thursday. All right, so in summation, going 3-2-1 for you. You're going VCU, Villanova, NC State. The honorable mentions would be like George Mason in that run they had, the 06 tournament, the 06 Final Four. You actually worked the game 
on uh, Florida Gators Radio with Mick Hubert as the Gators not only beat George Mason but went on to win the title. We shouldn't forget Jim Laranega's team that year. We shouldn't forget the two Brad Stevens teams that went to the championship game, Butler, back-to-back years, 2010-2011. They should get an honorable mention. Those are true underdogs that made it all the way to the Final Four or the title game. No, I'm with you. I, I agree. I like the list. Um, you know, it's interesting because you see a underdog team on television, and then you see them in person, and you kind of it, it even brings to question more why, how, how did this team beat that team? Again, that's the beauty of March Madness. And I think in some ways, TJ, looking back at my top two in terms of the NC State and the Villanova, they happened only three years apart, 83 and 85. So I think right then in the mid-80s, I think March Madness took a life of its own. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Because in and around there, great point. Uh, a couple years before, Michael Jordan had won the game for North Carolina with a last-second shot Bird against Houston. Magic Bird and Magic, right? Yep. You had the NC State finish. You had the 85 finish with Villanova winning. The 86 uh, championship with Purvis Ellison and Duke. The 87 last-second shot by Keith Smart. Danny and the Miracles, the Kansas upset of Oklahoma in 88. I mean, the NCAA tournament foundation was built on those Final Fours, those championship games in those years, and has made it into the the Goliath, the monster uh, that it currently is. All right, one more for Mark Wise before you depart on Three Dog Thursday. Syracuse, the decided underdog on Saturday night. Such a story program. Been in the Final Four numerous times, has won a national championship in the Final Four as recently as four years ago. They're they're not going to go in the category of the VCU's, the George Masons, and the Butlers. This is still an amazing underdog run, and if they somehow upset North Carolina, it's going to have to be in a conversation in terms of an underdog run to the title game, right? Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure that Cinderella has ever worn orange slippers before, <laughs> but that's exactly what we've got. Um, you know, again, Oklahoma, excuse me, uh, Syracuse is going to benefit a little bit, and they know what they're getting in terms of matching up with Carolina. Now, right. are they good enough or can they execute good enough to pull off the underdog upset? I'm not sure right now. Yeah, but it's double-figure underdog for them as a 10 seed, and they pulled the two uh, shockers that they needed to pull in the uh, Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight to get to this game. So we'll see if it continues. Listen, I enjoy talking underdogs. I'm looking forward to being with you live in Houston coming on the weekend for the Final Four. Thank you for spending some time reminiscing. We are profoundly jealous on Three Dog Thursday. Mark Wise in the house not once, not twice for Villanova and NC State, but he's been in the house numerous other times for some underdog moments. So we'll see what transpires. Thank you, sir. Thanks, TJ. See you in Houston. And Mark, we look forward to being with you in Houston coming this weekend on TuneIn and the College Sports Now channel. Check that out on the TuneIn app. Uh, Now an opportunity for just another couple of moments on Three Dog Thursday to hear from National College Basketball writer Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News. This man's been covering the Final Four for over 25 years uh, for various outlets, including over the last 15 years for Sporting News and SportingNews.com. And I put the same question to Mike DeCourcy about his all-time top three underdogs in the history of the NCAA tournament and why. Well, the first one I'm going to say George Mason in 2006. To make the Final Four when they barely got in the NCAA tournament in the first place. And then they had to beat Michigan State. I can't remember the exact order, but they had to beat Michigan State They had to beat North Carolina. (laughs) I believe after that it was Wichita State and then UConn, which had, I think, five or six NBA players. Now, it was kind of by that point a dysfunctional UConn team that that basically out-talented just about everybody they played, even though they didn't ever really click on the floor. But still, they got to the Elite Eight, and they're playing George Mason. And George Mason said they stood up to it. They said, we can handle this. And they did great. And so – And I I will tell you one of the reasons why they're among my favorites is because, look, I don't get it a lot wrong, I don't think. But I wrote a column after that Final Four when there were a lot of people saying, oh, this is the dawn of the mid-major. And I said, ah, come on. We had this, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago with Penn, and it's not going to happen again. And then before you know it, Butler's in the Final Four and BCU. And so I had to, you know, I was wrong. Okay, so that's one, you know, I like the people who stand up to my theories or whatever and, and every now and then prove me wrong. So I give them credit for that. You know, I think 2011 
Connecticut, uh, went 9-9 nine and nine in the Big East. A lot of people acted like they wouldn't have made the tournament if they hadn't won the Big East tournament that year, going through Pitt and a, and a few others to do it. Uh, I, I don't think that's right. I mean, they had a phenomenal non-conference. They did not lose a non-conference game that year to anybody. Mm. By the end of the NCAA, they hadn't still. Uh, and so that was, you know, to be able to do that with Kimball Walker leading the way and to go to Houston and take on Kentucky and then Butler and win that, really impressive performance to be able to 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 overcome all that. And I think the last is probably, you know, I don't know how much of an underdog you might think they are. They were undefeated going into the Final Four, uh, and they had one of the 15 greatest players of all time on their roster in Larry Bird. But you don't, you know, a lot of people will not remember. One, you know, because Bird's now a legend. And because that game between Michigan State and Indiana State is somewhat legendary uh, because of the meeting of those two players, uh, Bird and Magic Johnson. But there was a lot of derision of Indiana State that year uh, because they played in the Missouri Valley Conference and, oh, they can't really be that good. And you know, there, there, there were some very prominent voices, and I'm not going to single anybody <laughs> out, but there were some very prominent voices that were mocking or, or deriding that Indiana State team as being basically just a, you know, a puffed-up broad that was inflated by a middling conference, and they showed they were legit. Uh, they made it all the way to the Final Four. They beat, uh, they beat Arkansas in a huge game. Uh, they showed that they were real, and, of course, a lot of that real was Larry Bird. I get it, but uh, they, they showed that they were really special and, and deserved a lot of credit. Interesting on your underdogs, you didn't go Valvano NC State, you didn't go Villanova 85. I, that's what I love about you. you. You went a little different tact here, and you even left out on the VCU on the mid-majors having to win a first four game and then winning four more to get into the Final Four, including beating the top seed Kansas that year in 2011. There have been some great underdog stories for sure, Mike DeCourcy. It's, it's what makes no it's the charm of this tournament. It's what makes it fun. It does, uh, and knowing that you have to pay attention. Uh, and hey, I was in uh, I was in Oklahoma City when Northern Iowa was playing Texas A and M, and I was you know I, I write the, most of the games I cover. I write a story as it's happening so they can be ready as soon as the game is over. And I had an entire Northern Iowa story written and ready to go with 35 seconds left, and that was I was ready to push the button, uh, and then things started to happen. So you have to pay attention. You 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 can't just presume that you know what the result is going to be. It's what makes this time of the year so great with the underdogs. Mike DeCourcy, thank you. You bet, TJ. And there he is, Mike DeCourcy of SportingNews.com. You can check him out on that site. Love his insight, and we appreciate him stopping by on Three Dog Thursday. So I'll give you my top three real quick, all time. They've basically already been mentioned. You know, there's a couple that weren't mentioned. LSU making it to the Final Four, 1986. Dale Brown, Ricky Blanton and company as a 13 seed made it to the Final Four. We haven't made mention of them. They obviously... Uh, lost out to Purvis Ellison, never nervous Purvis, and the Louisville Cardinals uh, as they went on to win the national championship. Also, the 1990 Loyola Marymount uh, run after the death of their star, Hank Gathers, who died uh, by uh, a heart attack during their conference tournament. And about a week later, they had to go play in the NCAA tournament after his uh, awful, tragic, horrific passing in front of everybody uh, during a game. For them to refocus, go win their opening NCAA tournament game with New Mexico State. Uh, that team then beat the defending champion Michigan, scoring over 140 points. Uh, Jeff Fryer bombing in the three-pointers for Loyola Marymount. Bo Kimball, Paul Westhead's team. They went on to win the regional final against Alabama. Wimp Sanderson's team with Robert Ory and company played a slowdown game, if you remember. And Loyola Marymount only won 62-60 to and then eventually lost to the national champs in UNLV, who beat them in the regional final and went on to win the Final Four. So that Loyola Marymount team didn't make the Final Four, but still ultimate underdog after the death of the nation's leading scorer. And they've made movies and talked about Hank Gathers, etc. I'll agree with our panel. VCU, 2011, first four to the Final Four. That one's got to be in the all-time top three. Villanova, they're back in the Final Four now. That 85 perfect game, I love that one 
for uh, winning the national championship. And the same thing with Jim Valvano and company. How do you turn down Villanova and NC State winning the whole thing as underdogs? So I'll go with those two. That'll do it for this edition of Three Dog Thursday. That'll also wrap the show uh, for the college basketball season. Again, we'll come back in the football season with Kevin Rogers and company uh, from VegasInsider.com, Wayne Curtis, also from SmackApparel.com. Check out those shirts and remember the promo code TUNEIN. Also, Mark Wise, my analyst, will be with me all weekend on TuneIn and also Mike DeCourcy of SportingNews.com. I'm TJ Reeves. Reminder to follow the show at Three Dog Thursday on Twitter. We appreciate you being with us all season long. Enjoy the Final Four. And thanks for being with us here on Three Dog Thursday.